Welcome to Reframed, a podcast created to educate, encourage, and inspire parents and professionals. The research is clear. Parenting a child that has a history of loss, abuse, neglect, or trauma requires parenting skills and insight to be reframed. We partner with child welfare experts to bring you evidence-based and research-driven information. Reframed host, Emily Moorhead, LPC, and guests strive to make an impact on our world by creating conversations about topics that are important to you, your family, and our communities. Hi, and welcome back to Reframed. I'm your host, Emily Moorhead, and today I'm joined with my colleague, Heather Rogers. Heather, tell me about yourself. Hi, Emily. My name's Heather Rogers. I am a licensed professional counselor in the state of Texas. I have been working at Gladney for 14 years, um, and I've worked primarily with birth parents during that time. Um, I also now currently supervise the Gladney home, um, and I'm working with teenage girls in foster care. Our goal is to help find them permanency through adoption, and I'm happy to be here. I'm glad you joined me. You and I actually hosted a grief support group for birth parents, and so I thought we could take a little bit about our experience with that and your experience working with birth parents and talk about the grief and loss process during adoption. So I guess first things first, what would you say to a woman who is tuning into this podcast who wanted to know if her grief was normal? I think that's a great question. And I just want to say, I think this is such an important topic that we're covering. I think sometimes this doesn't get enough acknowledgement um, just in general in society. Um, so a woman that was asking if her grief is normal, um, I would say normal is such a different and hard word to, to give a definition of. Um, so being able to answer that question really means that someone has to know themselves and know what is normal for them. Um, when we talk about grief, we usually think there's five stages of grief and, and we hear them and it's denial, anger, guilt and, guilt and bargaining, depression, acceptance. Um, and that's true. And, and those are stages of grief, but it's not cookie cutter. And so I know we'll get a little deeper into this, but I think it's important for someone to recognize in themselves that, you know, if they're having a, a really rough time and, and they need to take a day off or stay in bed or can't stop crying for a day, that's normal. But if that day becomes weeks or months and they still haven't been able to see some light, um, that's that would be something that would we would say, hey, it's time to really seek some some professional help or make sure that you're talking with someone about what's going on. Yeah. When we, when we work with birth parents, I mean, typically they're choosing to plan adoption because they, you know, have big hopes and dreams for their child. Um, and they also would love to parent their child, but they don't feel like they are equipped or able to at that time. I think sometimes when we think about grief, um, we think about death, right? Like that's kind of the word that's associated with death. Um, and what I think that we see with birth parents is that their grief is this kind of like ambiguous loss. Um, they didn't lose a child to death. Um, their child's still alive, but they're not actively parenting or actively, you know, in the day-to-day -day trenches of parenting. So talk to me about that, that loss experience specifically. Sure. I think, I think that ambiguous loss is a really difficult grief experience because especially in adoption, 
um, a birth parent's loss and grief um, is happening simultaneously with someone else's joy. And so society doesn't always recognize the heartbreak that comes with adoption. It typically recognizes the celebration and the joy that comes with creating a family. Um, and although that is absolutely something that should be celebrated, I think it's really important that we have to acknowledge that that does first come out of a loss and a loss of someone not being in a place where they can parent their child. And, and even if that woman 100% felt like adoption was the best plan and that was her goal and she knew that she wanted her child to have a family um, that she chose um, through adoption, it still comes with grief. And so to be, to be experiencing that grief and that loss while also knowing that, you know, there are some parts of it that are happy because this family has been created and, um, especially today, women typically, if they choose, can see how their child's doing. So see this child growing and thriving um, and happy. It is a very conflicting feeling of grief and loss because it's it's saddled also with joy in between of being able to see that a child that they love and care for is doing well and thriving. And so it's, it's a really challenging experience to go through. Ambiguous loss is hard. I remember the first time um, that I kind of experienced that I had the opportunity to be with a birth parent during their relinquishment. So when they were signing their parental rights away, um, and that was hard. Um, one of the hardest things I've ever seen actually. Um, and then she wanted to have the adoptive parents take the baby home from the hospital. Um, and so she was grief stricken, um, but it didn't look like grief. It was fascinating. She was so joyful to place the baby in the adoptive parents' arms. And they were so, so sad that she was going home without the baby. And so it was this really interesting experience of what my preconceived notions were about what adoption grief looked like. And, and then she went home and I'm sure it looked different for her and they went home and I'm sure it looked different. Um, but just kind of normalizing that everyone's experience in it is different. Um, and that birth parents are so proud of placing their babies in those adoptive parents' arms. Um, and it also can be hard, like at the same time. And that doesn't match normal grief, right? Right. And I think one of the things that's so important to know is that grief and joy can exist simultaneously. And I've heard you say this before, and I, I just think it's such an important thing to, um, to acknowledge that, um, those two things can live together because we can be heartbroken, but we can also still experience happiness and, and those things can happen even, even in minutes of each other. Um, and so, um, it's important to recognize that, that that is normal. Um, and, and that that's okay. And I think, you know, one thing that I know that we try to do at Gladney and, and we also want to normalize is that, um, you know, grief looks different on everyone. And so we want people to be prepared. We want women that we're working with to be prepared for, um, for that grief to come. But, but it is hard to prepare someone for something that we don't know exactly what it will look like. Um, I worked with so many women who, um, were so happy with the family they had chosen and, and felt really happy 
um, to see their that family that they helped create. And so maybe their grief didn't really hit them until two, three months down the road. And then I would get a call saying, oh my gosh, I thought I was fine. And now I can't get out of bed this week because I saw a baby at the grocery store. Um, and I think just really normalizing that that's okay. Um, or for the woman that, you know, immediately when she goes home from the hospital has that just heart-wrenching experience right then, but a couple months later is able to start seeing some light and feeling a little bit more like herself, that's okay too. And I think it's, it's important to express about grief that it's not, it's not a cookie cutter and it's not a straight timeline. Um, you know, I, you can't see a, a dr me drawing anything right now, but you know, I, I love the, the illustration of someone wanting grief to be a straight line, but really it kind of looks like a scribble tornado on a piece of paper. And that's, that's so true. Um, there's no rhyme or reason. There's no right way. I recently heard that um, one of the biggest problems when we're having a problem is how we judge ourselves in the problem. So, you know, someone who's grieving, um, for them to judge what their process is like, oh, this isn't normal, or I'm doing this the wrong way. Like, that's the problem is that we're judging ourselves, but feelings are for feeling and to allow ourselves to feel it. I can imagine that, you know, anniversaries, um, birthdays, that those are probably extra hard. Uh, what would you tell a woman who is kind of getting ready for one of those moments? I think it's really important for us to be able to acknowledge the hard times. Um, I think it's really important to give ourselves grace um, make sure that we've built in some self-care, um, for those days. Um, and also to just really, you know, my hope is that birth mothers everywhere have at least one person at the very minimum, one person that can be a support to them. And so giving that person a heads up, Hey, um, my child's birthday is coming up. Hey, the anniversary of when I placed my child with, his or her adoptive family. Um, I think we have a great example coming up, you know, soon as Mother's Day. So um, that can be such a difficult day for birth mothers. Um, it, it can be uncomfortable because I've asked so many birth mothers, what do you want to be celebrated on Mother's Day? And it's really interesting. And I think this is so important. Some women say, yes, absolutely. I car carried my child for nine months. I chose life for my child. I picked a family. Um, and other women say, no, I, I don't. I don't want to be celebrated on Mother's Day because I'm not the person, you know, tucking this child into bed or, or putting a bandaid on a boo-boo. There's no there's no right answer. There's no yes or no. So I think it's important for women to really think about and explore what works for them because that's going to be the most important part. And then giving themselves grace on those hard days and really rallying their support system around them on those days so that they know that they have someone that they can lean into when they need it. How do people decide when it's safe to share that they're a birth parent, whether they're pregnant and they're planning adoption and they're considering, you know, placing their child for adoption or whether um, they've placed their child and a grief anniversary is coming up or a birthday or, you know, something like that. How do we kind of gauge who's safe or not safe to share our experience with? I think that is such an important um, question and something that's really important to think through, um, you know. I have worked with women who just want to shout it from the rooftops. 
I'm a birth mother. I placed a child for adoption. Um, and I've, I've, I've talked to them after that might've come back and, and bitten them because they got so much negative feedback or, or, um, maybe not even negative, but, um, unwanted advice or unsolicited opinions from people who, um, just felt strongly about that. Um, but then I've also worked with women who, you know, got into a serious relationship and just didn't tell that person, didn't tell that person. And then they found themselves, you know, 10 years down the road in this serious relationship and their significant other didn't know that they had been pregnant and and placed a child. And that felt like this really heavy, of course, this heavy thing that they hadn't shared with their, their partner in life. And so, um, I think that, I think that you have to judge in your life who's safe. If you have, you know, in the pre-existing relationships that you already have, um, people know who's safe to share things with and, and who isn't. And people also know, um, and I think it's important to evaluate, like you might know that sharing this information with an aunt or a family member, that they're not going to agree with it, but you still feel like it's important to share that. And so I think it's also important to, to recognize the difference between sharing this information with a person, but not expecting their support, knowing that that might not be a person you can lean on in a time of hardship or in a time where you are really feeling that grief, but still letting them know versus the people that you share your story with and you know that you can turn to them when you're really struggling. Um, I would always recommend if you're getting into, you know, a serious relationship or a serious, um, you know, romantic relationship that, at some point when you know it's turning serious, you share that with them because if that person is going to be in your life for a long time, you want to be able to have someone to lean on during those those challenging moments. And grief doesn't just go away after six months or a year. Sometimes it can pop itself back up 10, 15 years, 30 years down the road, even longer. So that's important. I think when we're talking about like it can pop itself up, um, you know, one of the questions that I have is, some women who don't want their story to be that they're a birth parent, right? Like that's something that feels too heavy. It feels too hard. It doesn't feel like a part of the identity that they want to embrace. So is there a point where that's concerning? I mean, is there a point where you would kind of worry about someone blocking some of their feelings about that or, or is that okay? I think that if there's not anyone in the world or anyone in your life that you can turn to and and receive support from, that it it is something that is concerning because you you are blocking that in some ways or you're facing it alone which which is just really not um an ideal scenario um but you know we've we've worked with women at Gladney that you know they do choose to be confidential and and that's okay i will say um you know years ago Adoptions were um, mostly all closed and the women that worked with Gladney or chose adoption, um, they did they did choose adoption in secrecy. And the mindset and mentality was typically, um, again, this is years ago, but it was after you have this baby, we never talk about it again, pretend like it didn't happen. Um, and thank goodness that has changed. Um, because I think society is growing and changing and becoming more accepting and understanding. But what I will say is that the emotional well-being and health of the women who have placed children more recently, where it's something that can be talked about, 
um, definitely is, in my opinion, what I've seen in a healthier place than the women that I've talked to and worked with who placed a child 30, 40, 60 years ago and really did not have anyone to talk to because it was just never spoken about again. Um, you know, I would have phone calls where people would call up to Gladney and they hadn't talked about the child that they placed in 30 years. Um, and whenever we started having that conversation, they would say, wow, it feels like it was yesterday because the floodgates would open and then all the emotions would come rushing back. So yes, I do think it's really important that you have someone that you can share that experience with and talk and talk through um, your grief with. So Heather, if someone maybe doesn't have a support person, I'm assuming, you know, one of our viewers is listening today, if not more than one. And um, for whatever reason, they just don't have that support. How can they take care of themselves on hard days? Um, what are some of the things that they can actually implement if they wake up and it's just hard that day? I think that being able to be aware of the things um, in your life that do bring positivity and the ways that you can take care of yourself um, are really important. So, um, you know, checking in with yourself and if you know this is a hard day, um, what do you, what do you do when you have a hard day? Is it, you know what, I'm calling in sick to work and I'm laying in bed. I'm just going to let myself have that hard day. Is it, you know, you know what, I typically don't do this for special, but for special occasions, but today I'm going to go through and drive through Starbucks and get my favorite coffee. Um, this weekend, I'm going to go get a pedicure to just, you know, allow myself to relax. Maybe I'm going to pour myself a bubble bath and listen to my favorite um, music. I'm going to watch my favorite movie. I mean, there's lots of different ways to give yourself self-care that don't have to involve other people. Um, so I think just being aware of what meets your needs as a person. And we don't always, people don't always know that. So I think a really important part of the journey of being a birth mother is exploring that within yourself. And what is it that, that makes me smile on a hard day? Is it getting outside and going for a walk? Is it having a phone call with a friend? I mean, what, what could that be and what does that look like? And it will be different for everyone. So Heather, what would you say to someone if they were kind of on the fence, if they needed to seek help, like maybe their support person, um, isn't very helpful when they, you know, call and share their experience, or maybe they don't have anyone to call, or maybe their journey is just so unique that they don't have anyone that can kind of resonate with what they're experiencing. When should someone look at getting help and what could that look like? I don't think it's ever too soon to reach out for help. I also don't think that you can have too much support as a birth parent. Um, it is a very specific um, experience that women go through and, and men and birth fathers. And so I think that, um, but specifically if you do have a, um, limited support group, I think looking into counseling. So what could that look like? I think for sure calling your agency and saying, Hey, I really am struggling. I need some support. What resources do you have? Um, you know, Gladney has a posted post-adoption team that 
um, is ready to work with our clients and, and give them support, but also give them resources. We know that all of our um, birth parents don't live locally in our in our DFW area. Um, I'd also suggest um, going online, and that can be a slippery slope. Um, there are some really wonderful birth parent support groups, and there are also some really um, difficult ones that maybe not be as positive, but bravelove.org is a great website. They um, have lots of content um, of birth parents sharing their stories. They also have um, an interactive map where you can find birth parent support groups in your area. Um, and I think that's really important. You know, one of the things that I would say is that, yes, I'm a licensed counselor. Yes, I've worked with birth mothers for many, many years. I can um, tell you the things that I've heard and I can empathize with you, but I've never walked that walk. And I do think in Emily, we've done this together, a support group, but being able to talk to another person who's gone through that journey, even if it isn't exactly the same as yours, the person that's felt that experience of birthing a child and then choosing to place that child in someone else's arms and all that comes with that, that is so impactful. And that can be such a powerful thing. And that can be um, great in the way of support. And that can really help someone get through some hard times. I think that, you know, you kind of started the podcast sharing, um, you know, sure, there are five steps of grief that we talk about, but it's not a line. It's not linear. Um, and just bringing awareness that just because you're going through something doesn't mean you're failing grief. Um, and just because you're experiencing a hard day doesn't mean that you're doing it wrong. Um, I think the bravery to lean into those feelings is really big. Um, and I think it's really important that accessing those resources like Heather just talked about, um, which we'll definitely link in our show notes because I think it's important that people are able to plug in and hear other stories of birth parents. So Heather, I um, hope that you can leave us today with a nugget of your wisdom, maybe for the expectant parent who is considering adoption for their child or maybe for the birth parent that placed their child for adoption, what do you want them to know about their grief journey? I would want them to know that there is hope and that if you're hurting today and if you're hurting right now, that it won't always feel like this and it won't always be this hard. It will ebb and flow, but there will be brighter days ahead. And the other thing I would want them to know is that um, a, a birth mom or a birth father, you're, you're a special kind of parent. Um, and I think that's something that really needs to be acknowledged. Um, you chose life for this child. You made a parenting de decision by choosing a family, by choosing an agency, by choosing adoption. Um, and that is something that is so powerful and will be a part of your child's story. Heather, thank you so much for taking the time to have this conversation with me. Um, I'm thinking of so many faces that have sat before you um, and the journeys that you've walked with them. And I'm just so grateful for your heart for birth parents um, and thankful for your, for your long-term care of them um, during this conversation specifically. We will link resources that Heather has put together for us in our show notes. So if you are a birth parent, we want you to know that you are not walking alone. Thanks for tuning into this episode of Reframed. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to Reframed. 
visit gladneyuniversity.org to access the show notes and learn about upcoming trainings at Gladney University. We'd love your feedback, so please rate, review, and subscribe. Until next time.